You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. I am your host, Monster, and back, hopefully for the last time, to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, but this is the last review that I'm going to be talking about in which I'm going to compare the overall series versus the Obi-Wan fan edits. Now, I promised that at the very beginning that this existed, that I was going to compare the two, and I'm glad that I finally watched this after I rewatched the whole series, trying to look for the good in all of it, and seeing, no, there are moments in which the series works, and which there's a lot of filler that needed to be cut out. And seeing this fan edit, I'm glad someone saw the things that I saw. Let's just start off with the beginning. In the original opening, we do get a flashback sequence of the Order 66, in which you see younglings being attacked. That is gone. The following scene, we get the Inquisitors of them arriving on Tatooine, in which they're looking and hunting for the Jedi. That has been removed, but then reinserted later on. So our first opening is the scenes that we would have seen from Star Wars A New Hope Special Edition in which we see the landscape of Tatooine, which if you've seen the special edition, you will see the Banthas, Tusken Raiders, and see you know more of that world, the way it all looks like. And then it kind of blends into Obi-Wan carving or being that butcher with that flying dead space whale carcass whatever that thing is i still don't know but that's the thing that we keep going back to it's just you showcased this is how his life is the day-to-day doldrums nothing special he does nothing to stand out perfect so there's very little dialogue in the very opening minutes of all of all this now at one point when you see him cooking in his cave and i didn't think about this until just watching the fan edit and i'm like how it felt like, oh, it's like mirroring what Yoda did when he cooked for Luke in his little hut on Dagobah. And it has the exact same feel of, about that scene. So I'm like, I didn't pick that up until just now. Once we have Obi-Wan outside eating his meal, like we saw Rey do in uh, Force Awakens, Obi-Wan goes to bed. He has the nightmare sequence. And I'm thinking about. They added a couple more things from the prequels that were in the nightmare that Ben was having, but I understand what they're going with, but there should not be scenes in which Ben did not participate, like young Anakin as an eight-year-old boy flying the Naboo Starfighter up in space because he was never there, so why would he remember that? So that didn't work, but 
I get what you're trying to go with, with that nightmare sequence. So we cut now to Alderaan. And then the music that's playing is for the music from Cloud City that we hear in Empire Strikes Back, which I'm like, all right, I'm cool with that. The sequence in which we see the princess being dressed and it's not Leia, it's some other alien kid that gets dressed, that's cut. We go straight into Leia is up in the tree looking at the, the starships, whatever, and her mom is looking for her and gets her. We cut back to, we see in this sequence, the Jedi that escaped the saloon from the Inquisitors. That was an original version. But here, he just pops up and finds Obi-Wan in the middle of the night. And Obi-Wan tells him, you know, you got to go back into town. You got to go back to hiding. Have a simpler life, whatever. So the opening scene plays out the exact same way. The Inquisitors come down to the same saloon that we saw earlier. And the same speech is given by the Grand Inquisitor. We then get Reva, who gets very impatient with the way things are, throws a knife at a customer, and we see that the Jedi that is hiding uses force powers to prevent that knife from killing that customer. And then there's a, a brief action sequence in which he's trying to escape. Reva lights her lightsaber and nicks him, but then he is able to escape. This version, the exact same cut that Reva does to that Jedi, they cut at that point and kind of suggest something else has happened, which we'll get to in a moment. We cut to Bale and Leia having a discussion and, and on a balcony. She talked about how she didn't feel like she's in Organa because she felt like she was adopted or being wanting, wanting to be a senator and so forth. So it ends with Bale saying, you know, Let's just put out all aside, but you're going to go and apologize. Now, that scene that's in reference to, which was Leia talking to her cousins who came for a visit, was completely cut. So this feels kind of out of place because there's no reason for him to ask her to apologize if this scene is not there to give context. So, But from that point on, we have the next scene in which Leia is running away and she's encountered by Vect who that still plays out. He's waiting for her in the woods and she comes across him and she gets kind of a little terrified about what's going on. So she kind of backs up and then all of a sudden, like a hood goes over her head. There it is. End of that scene. Not the whole sequence in which she is running and invading two grown-ass adults, or actually three. I don't think Flea ran as much, but in any case, it just went on way too long. So thank God. That was simpler and cleaner. She gets abducted. Boom. Gone. Now we get word from Bale to Ben that, that she's been abducted. We now see the ship flying away with Leia and her being tied up. One of the moments that we see the Jedi who was hanged, again, not by the neck, but like he was tied up. Like the whole body was just left out there and just he's just hanging in the wind. They cut off his head. That is the message that we want to see. Not just like, oh, we killed them and then we just left them out there like a flag, you know, just flowing in the breeze, just back and forth. They cut off his head. I know this is not something that Disney would do, but that's the message you want to give to other Jedis. Don't come here. If not, we'll cut off your head. <laughs> but that's perfect. When he comes back, when Obi-Wan goes back to his cave, Bale is there. 
I'm like, man, come on, man. I don't need this. So he finally convinces Obi-Wan to go get Leia. So he goes out into the Dune Sea and he gets his lightsaber. But what's great about this is that he's at the spaceport and he's deciding about going through this gate. And someone says, are you going to go already? And he finally does. But in the original series, they showed his lightsaber being attached. And I'm like, there's no need for him to flash the lightsaber. So they cut to when you hear that line, are you going to go already? To the ship flying off and going to Deyu. Perfect. That's better editing when it comes to moving the story forward. So we still get the exact same moment when he arrives on Dayu, where the clone trooper is asking Ben for money. That's still there. The drug scene with Ewan McGregor's daughter is still there, but it's a lot quicker. And the meeting of Haji, the fake Jedi, is brought in a lot sooner or much later into the scene that we've seen originally. So rather than Haji bringing in the family to his establishment and doing the Force Jedi trick of closing the, do- the windows, we already see him on the comm like pretending to Force connect to someone else to let these people have passage on board on a ship to Corellia. That's, again, a, a perfect way to start and end a scene. Let's do it as late as possible into the scene and leave as early as possible before the, the scene ends. It's a much tighter moment between the two. Once we have information for Ben to then scout out where Leia could be hiding, the whole drug den sequence is terrible still. One of the things that I liked was, again, they cut that whole sequence in which Ben is chasing after Leia, and I'm like, it, it's it's painful. The whole moment where Reva tells Vec to send out the, the bounty on Obi-Wan and everyone starts getting that notification... That's when one of the bounty hunters notices them, and then Ben shoots one of the aliens, and Leia escapes perfectly because there's a lot of commotion. So there's enough distance for him to run after her, but not so awkward that when you look uh, like an overhead shot on him trying to capture Leia, it looks like a Benny Hill sketch. We got rid of that problem. Now, when they get to the roof, Leia and Ben are escaping other bounty hunters shooting at them. We hear the music from Attack of the Clones, um, and I forget the name of the piece, but it's the piece where Anakin and Ben are chasing the bounty hunter who tried to kill uh, Queen uh, Senator Amidala. So it's that whole sequence on top of the roof that's being played. So I'm like, not bad. When Leia tries to jump from one roof to the other and she falls, you know, we hear the music being swelled up because Ben has not used his Jedi power since a long time, but he was able to gain some power of the Force and help save Leia from falling to her death. Now, the music there, again, I have to remember what the cue is, but it is the moment from which Luke arrives back on the Lars homestead and seeing the burned remains of Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen. And that sequence right there, those couple last little notes play in perfectly because when he arrives to Leia on the ground, she says, you're a Jedi. And that music plays perfectly into those moments. Although I know it doesn't belong there, it still has the emotional resonance that is trying to harp on. Um, it didn't earn it for that because Obi-Wan should be its own thing, but 
is fine for this. The sequence in which we get Vader being put together is still there. It's fine, but it cuts then to an exterior shot of Mustafar, which is what we see Vader's castle. Now, the only problem with the sequence is that the exterior shot is more of an establishing shot for the scene, not an insert shot like you did of Vader being put together. So the sequence is a little out of order. So when we see Ben on the other planet, we see an added shot or two of Ben seeing a mirage, thinking that it's Anakin, but it cuts to the yellow eye version of Anakin that we see on Mustafar from Revenge of the Sith, which is a nice little added bonus. We go into Frick picking up Ben and Leia. When we get the stormtroopers also being picked up, there was more of an inquisition from the stormtroopers, and they give like a brief explanation about why they're there. And that whole Leia slip-up is cut out altogether. So it's not bad. It would it, be nice to have given a little bit more room for that one little moment, but it's fine. Now, the thing that I criticize in my review, when we get to the next stop and they're being told to come off the, the transport, there's an Imperial probe droid that is trying to scan his face we see Obi-Wan go for the blasters. And the thing is, I criticize that the two stormtroopers should have seen that happen because it's a beat that he then takes out a gun and then shoots to improve the probe droid and then the two stormtroopers. Here, that moment is gone. So it's a quick boom. He whips out the gun and then shoots the droid and then the stormtroopers. So that makes it a lot better for the scene to play out that the stormtroopers did not see this coming. Better for me, not for you. I don't know. All right. And then everything from this point on up till the duel that Ben faces with Vader plays out fine. The, I think there was a new line. I wasn't sure right after uh, the loader grabs Ben and walks away. I could have sworn, like, I didn't hear this before, but a stormtrooper says to Vader, should we pursuit? And Vader says, not yet. I could have sworn that that moment, Vader just said nothing. And a stormtrooper didn't say anything, but I don't know. It could be just me. Now, when we see Obi-Wan again, he's already in the back to tank. And it would have been fine to show him being on the stretcher and then put into the back to tank like before. It's just all of a sudden, we don't know that he's on a new planet. He's just now in a back to tank. And we still assume that he could be still on the same planet, but he's not. So that's the only thing that I didn't like about that kind of jump cut. Everything we have. Oh, so they didn't fix going back to the situation with Leia and Reva. They didn't fix that whole sequence with Tala going back into into the tunnel and not seeing Reva and Reva still magically appearing at the end of the tunnel that's only one way and then capturing Leia. That still plays out the exact same way. So they still couldn't resolve that. Yeah, fine. But there is a better sequence coming down the road that I will highlight. We get the scene with Obi-Wan, you know, wanted to do a rescue scene with the T-47s and Tala's going to help 
them uh, achieve that escape. So we go back to the fortress, and er again, everything is pretty much still on point. The the main thing that I like from this point on is that when Leia is being sneaked out under Ben's trench coat, that is greatly cut to the point where they're already snuck past everyone else. So you don't see that awkwardness of that huge bump <laughs> next to Obi-Wan in the trench coat. It just cut to where the docking bay area is. And someone says traitor, which was Reva. But when the time she says that, we already have the two uh, T-47s, the snow speeders, already on the scene shooting. And it goes by so quick and it's perfect. Now, I still don't like that whole sequence of one of the T-47s hovering, but it's fine because that's not the point. The point is it streamlined that scene quicker and it made that awkward scene of Obi-Wan sneaking Princess Leia away less awkward. That's all I can say about that. So from that point on, we then get that montage or that flashback sequence of Anakin and Ben fighting in the younger years. And it's still awkward uh, the way this is cut because it's it's not like there's a moment for him to just think about this moment to this earlier scene that we've never seen before. It's just thrown in there and it's a little jarring. The next change that I liked when Reva comes down to talk to Ben on the other side of this gate, this is the one we find out that Reva was one of the younglings that Order 66 happened to. Here we get the flashback of the opening sequence in which we see her being attacked with the other younglings. Now, it would have been better to play more of that scene more to show that Anakin was coming and she, for her to say, I thought, you know, he was here to save us, but they didn't show that. They just She just talked about that. And so again, I would rather just show rather than say. So we get the, the then the confirmation kind of that both Kenobi and Reva are working together. And that moment works better because now I know what's going on. But what I liked about the ending of that, as we know that Reva then tries to attack Vader, Vader then impales her, not killing her, but impales her. The Grand Inquisitor that was killed earlier comes back and takes back his, his little name badge, Employee of the Month, <laughs> back onto his chest, but then leaves her and leaves her to die. That point on in the original series, you see her going after some kind of combat that she was able to pick up and realize there's more stuff happening on Tatooine. This is where they cut, and that's where it gets even better. There is no more Reva after this moment. That would have been perfect. Like, you know, she betrayed Vader, it didn't work well, and boom, she's done. Not the, I'm going to go to Tatooine and kill the other kid, which I have no idea who or what is the connection to Ben, but it's ridiculous. So here, that is probably the best edit, is that we're done with Reva. And then when we have Vader in pursuit of Kenobi and the insurgents in the Star Destroyer, Ben then de deploys in the escape pod to another planet for them 
to then have their duel. That duel is from Duel of the Fates, the Phantom Menace. And even though it does not belong there, again, you're, you're pulling in the feels. Because, again, that is for Anakin, Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul. Here, all right, it's, I'll give it a pass. I know what they're going with. And, again, it's just for the feels. When Ben comes out of the hole that he was put into and Kenobi is then taking the upper hand of the high ground with the rocks, we then get the, the musical cue of Battle of the Heroes that we hear in Revenge of the Sith. So again, it has a much better feel, has more, much more energy. I was kind of happy with that. So when we see Vader being defeated and, and Ben goes for the attack and lops off half of the, the helmet, Anakin slash Vader goes to the whole thing, you know, I killed Anakin, not you. Ben, just before he leaves, we hear this line, he's supposed to bring balance to the Force, which I thought was interesting. So by doing that, he doesn't necessarily kill him, but that line plays in because kind of he does bring balance to the Force much later on. So it would have been interesting to see what if, like in an Affinity series storyline, which I love, these comic storylines in which you take a moment in time to retell something and see how it played out in a different scenario. So similar to the What If series, but for Star Wars. But in any case. So we're done with that sequence. We're back to Alderaan and Ben arrives with Lola. We have that moment. We go back to Tatooine. Again, that whole sequence with Reva trying to kill Luke and fighting against Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen, gone, completely gone. So we have Ben packing up his cave, going to visit Uncle Owen, saying, you know, you're right, I'm going to leave him alone. And then as he leaves, that's when Uncle Owen says, you want to see the boy? And then he says, yes. So it would have been fine, except there is a noticeable bruise or marks on his face from a sequence which was the fighting that he had with Reva. But we don't see that, so we just assume that it was a domestic <laughs> abuse situation that Amperu just got tired of his shit. But in any case, it's fine. And it, again, no more Reva. Less Reva, the better. And then we come back to Hello There with Luke, and then he keeps walking off, and then we get the scene with Qui-Gon, and boom, the movie is over. So it comes down to several hours or three times the length of this movie. The, the fan edit was only about two and a half hours versus six episodes. He did not need six episodes. And I'm glad this fan edit exists. It is fantastic, and I'm, I'm loving it for what it is. But it still does not make up for so many missed opportunities or so many, I don't know, bad moments. But this makes the best of it and, and really tries to make it a better product. And it does, but, you know, there's only so much lipstick you can put on a pig because it's still going to be a pig. But now with lipstick. All right, so that's going to be the end of today's podcast. So thank you for listening to me and to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. At the 42Cast, we want to bring you everything. 
and that's why we've jam-packed the next few months with as much as we can. You not only get the same reviews, topics, and interviews that you did before, you also get screen reads where we compare a movie to its source material, or role models where we talk about tabletop gaming. It's never been a more exciting time to check out our show. It's your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything, so why not check it out? We can be found on most podcasting platforms, and we are a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.